recording? Yep. Welcome everyone to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Bit of a surprise episode simply because the Leafs made a huge trade at Kyle Dubas hours, we'll call it, on, what was that, Friday night at 11 p.m., I want to say? Friday night, yes, sir. Yep. Uh, pull up the full list of the trade. I actually I have I want to say, can you give us the full trade? Yes. So there are three teams involved in this trade. So... Obviously, the St. Louis Blues received Adam Gaudet, Mikhail Abramov, a first-round pick from 2023, a 2023 third-round pick, which was originally Ottawa's pick, which we received in the Matt Murray trade, and a 2024 second-round pick. Okay, uh, Ottawa, or sorry, uh, Minnesota received a fourth-round pick, and then Toronto for received a fourth-round pick for retaining Ryan O'Reilly's salary. They retained. Minnesota Half. received Sorry. the fourth. Minnesota received the fourth. Ryan O'Reilly, they retained, how much was it, 1.875. And then the Leafs get Ryan O'Reilly at 1.875. They get Noel Achari, and they get Josh Pilar, who is given to them. In yeah, he's an overager right now playing in the WHL. He's playing with the Leafs' seventh-round pick, Brandon Lasowski, right now. Uh, Pilar is just coming back from injury. They're going to make a decision on him in June, whether they give him a qualifying offer or not. Um, but I didn't bother watching him. I yeah, I, I'm sure the Leafs are familiar matter. with him because he also played with Frazier Min- on the same team as Frazier Minton before. Oh, really? Yeah, before he played I for Kamloops. So I'm sure they're like somewhat familiar with him. Will they sign him? Who knows? But it's nice to get. He was a former fourth-round pick, so you essentially gave up a fourth-round pick for retention. You're getting a former fourth round pick so who knows i mean that's a positive way to look at it yeah. i would i don't think i would look at it that way <laughs> he's uh he's an overager in the in the whl so like that's never never good know, but never, hey, you never you never, never ideal we'll never know it. although kevin lebank did play his overager year in the ohl so you know there are exceptions always yep. but anyways let's Get into. We're gonna get into. We'll talk about the trade itself, the value that the Leafs gave up, and what they got back the other way. Breakdowns of each of the players, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know why I'm blanking on this. Mo- the most basic word ever: initial impressions. First, first two impressions. games. First impressions. I don't know how I, I goofed on that word, but sure, whatever. Um, yeah, I also botched the totally botched the intro to this episode too. Just came in way too hot. <laughs> Didn't even can, can I introduce can I anyone. Do, can I just get in here? Let's yeah. clap it up. What a deal. Let's go. Yeah. Solid like deal. exciting. Let's get ex- it's a, it, who saw that trade as a Leaf fan and wasn't fired up. Nobody. No. That is yeah, awesome. That's an awesome trade to get that update Friday night. I think everyone's very happy about Grabbing these two players. I I think if you're not happy and you're like, oh my God, we gave up all these picks. Like, do you stand when you go outside? Are you like, oh my God, the sky might fall. Ah, because I want to say that because I feel like we've jumped on like after Riley's contract after I think we maybe did something after Felino, but all these or Giordano as well. It's like, yeah. And you, oh, we're going to let you know what we think. We're all thrilled. Everyone sitting in this room yeah. is thrilled to add these two guys. And then now we'll break down the minutiae of it. But. I don't want to bury the lead. Everyone's super happy about this, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's what you, like, let's get real. You gave up a first, second, third, and a fourth, correct? It's a lot. And, like, Mikhail Abramov is, like, a C-minus level prospect. He's falling way down there. So, it's you didn't, in terms of, I think you just gave up those two in terms of contract yes. slots. Good point. That's why. But, in terms of the trade itself, you did give up a lot of draft picks. But guess what? 
That's what you needed in your lineup. You needed a center that can score. You needed to add that center that could score, add some versatility throughout your lineup now, and now you have someone to bolster your fourth line. Or maybe he, he plays on the third line. He's playing pretty damn well so far. We'll get into that in a bit. But you needed those two players. You, can't, you couldn't have gone into the playoffs and not have addressed those holes. There were massive holes, glaring holes, that were made even more glaring when Austin Matthews was out. You can't forget that. Just because Austin Matthews comes back and they score five against Chicago and Austin Matthews puts on a show, doesn't like it just kind of, I don't know, like paints over the issue when he's back in the lineup. You still have to remember your depth scoring isn't that good. And you addressed it very well, in my opinion, in this trade. So what do you guys think about what the Leafs gave up in or in return for these two? I, I think it was a saw it's it's solid what they gave up. I don't think they gave up too much. I think it feels like they gave up a lot because they gave up four draft picks. But if you look, it's not, it's not like we, like if you gave up two firsts, that's more than giving up the four draft picks we gave up. A second, third, fourth is not equal to a first, right? So it feels like it's a lot, but in reality, it's not that much. The third, like if, if you take the third and fourth out of this trade, they're like, I think people would view this a lot differently and say, wow, a home run steal. Adding in the third and fourth, it feels like you're giving up more. Mm-hmm. But it, those those picks, in reality, aren't valuable. They're essentially just guns in the chamber for, for GMs to just fire those bullets and hopefully they hit on those late picks. How often do third and fourth round picks really hit? Not not very often. They also take three to five years to even think about potentially getting into the NHL. So this is we're talking about things that are three to four, five, six years away. Like, I'm fine getting rid of that. Like, like, like Sheldon Keefe said, we have a decent enough prospect pool where we don't need these mystery boxes anymore. We can use these to get better assets right now. So, and O'Reilly and, and Nolachari are two solid, very, very solid assets. So that's actually a big part of what Kyle Dubas addressed in his press conference. He said, obviously I don't like to give up. It's not a sustainable model to give up all of your draft picks, but he was happy that he didn't have to give up any of the prospects. They're familiar with a lot of guys like Roni Hirvinen, Topi Nimala, Matthew Nyes, um, Fraser Minson, Fraser Minton, uh, Nick Robertson as well. They're familiar with all of those prospects and how far along they are and how close they are to the NHL. Even Pontus Holmberg, I forgot to mention him in there. Pontus Holmberg is also still like, you know, coming into his own, we'll call it. You didn't give up any prospects for this. You're giving up future picks where you don't know what you're going to get. Like, I'm not trying to diminish the value of a draft pick, but think of the timeline that the Leafs have right now. Like, those draft picks are probably not going to be ready, as Jason, you mentioned. They're not going to be ready for a while. So you'd rather give up those draft picks that are going to be ready further down the line than some of your top prospects, which hopefully you can slot in on cheap contracts in the near future, right? Yeah, that's that's true. And also, like... I don't, I don't even know what I was going to say with this, but I feel like the Leafs have like they still have some picks this year. It's not like they've they've completely unloaded and have no picks. Like they're fine, they're okay. Uh, they could have just a five and six. Though. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. That's okay that's though. Potential. I mean, uh, is it? I mean, that's about as <laughs> that's, that's probably <laughs> as few picks as anyone's ever had. I mean, ten, I like hey, if if you want to win, you got to give I up. I agree. You can't, yeah, and you're 100 percent right. And that's how the point gets like comes back around. It's yeah. like all these people have said. Oh, the Leafs, they don't make a big move at the deadline. The only move they ever made was Felino, blah, blah, blah. Now they finally make a big move. And people, I don't think people are like 
being sincere and genuine when they actually care about the picks. That could just be a topic yeah. because I, I think, think everyone's just happy. I think got, a lot of people are happy about this. I, I would say it's from what I've gotten. It's like 99 to one. Yeah. yeah. Actually, nobody I know has been upset about the picks. I just see a couple. I just see. Twitter. Yeah. A couple of people on Twitter looking for attention and Sid six arrow doing his dumb. But I'll, okay. That guy's, that guy's just, a joke. If that guy didn't like the player you got, you've hit a home run. Um, <laughs> but if you actually think about it, like Ryan O'Reilly playing not well and getting injured right before like the Leafs traded for him was the best thing to happen because if you trade for Ryan O'Reilly in the offseason, you would probably have to give two firsts to get him. Just yeah. him. Just him. Just him. Mm-hmm. For sure. I don't even think that's – or a first in your top prospect. Mm-hmm. Like this guy is a stud. And if you look at the actual assets, like Jason said, let's say the fourth-round picks and the prospects, like whatever, they all cancel out, whatever. Yeah. Like I think trading a first and a third for – O'Reilly and a second for Achari is probably exactly what they were worth on the open market. Mm-hmm. And O'Reilly maybe even more, honestly. On paper, actually, the trade goes like this. According to Hockey DB, I don't know how correct this is, but what they have listed is February 17th, Ryan O'Reilly traded from the St. Louis Blues to the Minnesota Wild for Josh Pilar. And then Feb 17th traded from Minnesota to Toronto for fourth round pick in 2025. That's a steal. So on paper. So on paper, we got a rally for a fourth. For a fourth. I like that. So it looks like Achari was dra- was traded for God knows how much. Well, they said they wanted a first-round pick for Barbashev. Like, a first-round pick for Achari is close yeah. enough. I think going back through and watching these games, like, to a, give a better evaluation of Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari, it kind of spoke to me because I watched a bunch of games before. We talked about it in a podcast a few weeks ago. And then... I watched again his last, most two most recent games when he came back from the foot injury. And Kyle Dubas even mentioned we wanted to wait for him to come back, see how the foot, how he looked. His speed looked completely fine. So it was, okay, let's pull the trigger and let's, let's trade for him. What I noticed is earlier in the year, his line mates didn't have speed. Ryan O'Reilly's not the fastest player. His speed is okay. He's not the quickest player. But when you put Levo, as I mentioned, when you put Levo and Saad with them, those are two not very fast players. Those are two not very good forechecking wingers. They didn't really set him up the best, but that's because they also had massive injury issues. When he came back from injury, his line mates were Barbashev and Buchnevich. And in his first two games back or three games back, whatever, he had points in every single game. So, I mean, I wonder how that works. Huh. Yeah, that's not Go a surprise. figure, like, huh? Yeah, uh... It was always weird. I think I, I think I equated. I don't know if I equated O'Reilly or uh, Kane to being like similar to Taylor Hall. I feel like they both kind of were in the sense that they were having quote unquote down years in their mm-hmm. in when they're pending UFAs and people are all, on Twitter all of a sudden hesitant to uh, trade for those guys. And it like what we've seen so far from O'Reilly, it's like just a complete one eighty. Like he's yeah. feel he feel like he feel like he looks great with the Leafs. Like I don't think he looked like bad at all or as bad as people were saying. Like. Well, yeah, tonight playing with uh, Marner, or actually past two games playing with Marner and Tavares, Probably it's an interesting-looking line. I don't know if I would continue it. You obviously, yeah. I think they're just trying out some things. Yeah. But the amount of, like, there was a few times they started to get the cycle going. They won a bunch of puck battles, and it looked pretty good. And Ryan O'Reilly tonight had how many chances? A lot, <laughs> a lot. Crossbar at the end of the game. Uh, steal and shot early in the game. He had a good rush chance early in the game as well. I, he was all around it. I thought he was going to get. A, I'm surprised he didn't score tonight. Honestly, yeah, that line that line played pretty well. I would say. 
but we'll get into those games. He had four high danger chances, led the <laughs> Leafs tonight. Four so yeah. on net or uh, attempts. Wow, nice. We kind of got sidetracked, sidetracked, but you were talking about like O'Reilly's game, like how he plays Achari. Like, yeah. how, how, so like, go more into that. I think so. That if was, you've that was good, listened yeah. to this podcast before, um, we talked in depth about it, but just to go into it again, um. He's a two-way center, very, very good defensively, and very, very smart player at both ends of the ice. Sees, sees the ice and where the play is going to unfold very, very well. His stick work is incredible. His ability to break up plays at both ends of the ice, win puck battles. like he's not, He doesn't hit that much, but in terms of his physicality, he uses his big frame to protect the puck and win puck battles and shield the puck on you know, plays within the corner. He's very, very good at puck battles, which is why tonight, like him playing with John Tavares, you can almost put like Alex Kerfoot at center and just tell Kerfoot, yeah, just dump it into a corner. And uh, if it's a 50-50 race, we're going to come out with the puck because we're playing with Ryan O'Reilly and John Tavares, two very big, heavy players. Uh, In terms of his offensive ability, what's most impressive is his passing. He's got silk for it. Like he's a, He's six foot two ten. He looks like a fridge out there, but he's got silky smooth hands. And as I mentioned, the vision, you couple those two together, he's able to pass the puck very, very well. So if you put him with a good finisher, it's it's gonna be lethal. Um in terms of his shot, it's it's pretty good. He has had a couple twenty plus goal seasons. He doesn't shoot that that much, but now I mean, when you look at it, he comes to Toronto and all of a sudden he has what, like ten shots in two games, so that's a that's a little bit of a turnaround. Maybe it was the St. Louis system where they were trying to hold it more and get into those high danger areas to to shoot. Uh, but in terms of his skating, it's okay. I would say it's like a weak point in his game because he's a great player. Uh, through the neutral zone, he doesn't get too too many zone entries because he, again the speed is an issue. But also, I would like him to I would like to see him get off the boards more as opposed to go along the side, get closed out and dump it in. But that's just a small nuance to his game. But again, defensive end wins puck battles, closes in on defenders nicely all around a very well-rounded player, I would say. Yeah. And uh, I think one thing that um, I think is not really mentioned enough with Ryan O'Reilly and uh, like some people gloss over it, but he's actually like not like he's a low key good like passer. He's really good at creating. He's he exactly like you were saying. He's, uh, it's it's fascinating because Jay Fresh posted a micro stats card for him, mm-hmm. and uh, his primary assist and uh, his primary assists are one of the only things that is read on his chart. That end zone entries, but that could also just be blue style is that play. Just from this year or past uh, two years? Yeah, th- that's just from this year. Okay. His primary assist is eighth percentile in the league, which is not good, right? That's primary assist, but his chance assist seventy nine percent, primary shot assist fifty nine percent, high danger passes ninety percent. He's good at getting the puck into dangerous areas. Just simply this year, his line mates just haven't been able to finish. And you can see that exactly with his on-ice shooting percentage and his line mates finishing, like, drop shooting percentage when he's on the ice. It's It's been bad. So he's been good at creating chances this year, but it's just puck's not going to the back of the net for whatever reason, one way or another. So it's another small thing that, yeah. uh, That's like a great said, use of, like, microstats. Kind yeah. of, that's a great use of, like, weaving together the stats mm-hmm. to tell a story. Yeah. That's a, that's a very good job there. Yeah. But so. Makes sense. I mean, it's. Again, he's, he's a good I, passer. He's a good passer. Also, like, when are you ever able to get a con Smythe? But this is actually, I was looking at it. Dave Keon is the last player to win a con Smythe to play for the Leafs. N- incorrect. Who? 
Jean Sebastian Giguere. He went, oh! I, oh, I missed him. I missed him. I forgot that he. I, I missed you? that he got a consmite. Okay, so well, <laughs> you have got on that. You got one. me. I don't know how you. Yeah, knew that, 2003. Jean Sebastian Giguere won uh, in, in a losing effort. He lost yeah, the, the Stanley Cup that year, why. and he he won because he was just uh, he was that was one of the best goaltending runs I've seen in my life. But yeah. Anyways, you understand what I mean. Like he's, yeah. <laughs> it's very rare to be able to get a player like this, and and the least are able to capitalize on it. So that's massive. So, and he's also like feels old because I guess he's he won at such a young like. A, no, because he's age. been in the league since two thousand nine, yeah. two thousand ten. As an eighteen year old, yeah. second round 18 pick, year eighteen old. year old. He's very only thirty two. He's still still kicking. So that's good. That's yeah. I like O'Reilly, but uh, do you have any nuances on Achari's game or? Well, one more thing about O'Reilly is like, again, stack up the board. We created a, a, a little internal trade deadline board. Um, who's better than him that you would have rather had? Just, literally just Timo, Timo Meyer. Meyer. That's it. And that's last it. week we debated him and Kane. And then it's like, okay, so you're going to, even if that's a coin flip, like you also got Achari and O'Reilly's a center, right? So like in terms of the best trades you could have made, this is basically it. Like, yeah, really. I don't know if you even have the assets to get Timo Meyer. So well, it would I would have, well, yeah, I would have liked, I've, a few people have said it too, like Barbashev. Instead of Achari? Like, yeah, O'Reilly and Barbashev. Yeah, but you, you'd have been extra been first. Nice. You'd have to, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. So in terms of, so what you're saying is in terms of cost efficiency, this is the best. I would thing. rather do this with, let's say it's a third instead of a first, or I would rather do for Achari and keep your first yeah. next year. Yeah, that's a good point. And also, now you could, you, you, sorry, you could have it as a bullet this summer or next year to use, especially for two rentals. Yeah, like well, to I'll, give up two first, that's huge. Also, just think of it like this: like now we're in a position where we've made the deadline move. We have two good players coming in. We can now sit back and wait. And if there's a player who becomes available, that is, like you were talking about Max Domi earlier. Like Max Domi last year, he went for literally a seventh. I looked at it, a seventh and a prospect that was upgraded to a sixth. If, based on a condition. So you could get a potentially good depth player there for literally guys nothing. slip through the cracks. Yeah. yeah. So that, well, this, that Max Domi trade almost didn't happen. It was like yeah. on delay, right. yeah. like the, the phone line or whatever that you have to call in the trade for got so backed up that <laughs> they weren't able to get it in time, but yeah, they were in, in time. Yeah, whatever. The, anyways, the trade deadline, if you remember last year was a disaster. Remember Dadanov got traded and then, and yeah. then they had to void the trade. Because they're like, did someone call it in? Who said about the? It was his no trade list. No trade, yeah. No, but then they were saying, how did that get missed? Yeah. yeah. Because they made the trade official, and then they're like, hold on, what's going on here? So that is funny, but yeah, Uh, it's (laughs) it's an exciting deal. Also, like we've talked about like roster construction and like what the Leafs need. Like if you had to pick a player that fit exactly what the Leafs need, I think it would be Ryan O'Reilly, and I think a lot of people have echoed that sentiment. Even the biggest Leaf detractors seem to be all over this move for the Leafs, which means it's probably a pretty good move, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think it, it appeases to everyone. Yeah, and you could tell because, like you said, the detractors and also people like just on Twitter, it's like tough to say that the Leafs got a good deal, but they got a good yeah. deal. So Pete Blackburn, who's a massive Bruins fan and likes to poo-poo all over like Canada and the Leafs, he even was like, I kind of like this deal. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. So yeah. massive, massive, massive that the Leafs got him. I'm, I'm so happy. And these through these first two games, he's had a lot of good plays to show for him. We'll put that out um, tomorrow. We'll, we'll try to get that out there. So, anyways, uh, that's enough on O'Reilly, I'm guessing. Time to move on to Achari. Yeah. So, Noel the Nail Gun Achari. Uh, the clips that were floating around Twitter on him, 
I think pretty well kind of encapsulate what he is. He's a nail. The shot blocking, the fighting, the goals around the net, the hitting ability. I really like Nolachari's game. It's it's a very blue collar lunch pail kind of kind of game that the bottom six was missing. Like Zach Essen Reese throws the body. He leads the league. Leads the Leafs. That was a good swallow on Mike. Nice. He leads the Leafs and hits with like 111. And he's tied with uh, Sandine, actually. My apologies. But at 111, right? 111 is the number they're at. Nolachari has 168 hits this year. 50 more than anyone else on the Leafs. He brings, so he brings that grit factor that we were kind of missing, right? We were also missing like full-time NHLers on our fourth line. It was kind of a revolving door. So there, that's another positive. Another positive on top of that, the net front scoring ability. I feel like in the bottom six, you had like your Engvalls who can shoot from distance and score in the regular season. Like, I don't know, Kerfoot scores once in a while somehow. Uh, David Camp scores once in a while, whatever. Like, Nolachari is a more consistent scorer, and the way he scores is always just so greasy. Little bit off, little little bit off the rush, I would say, but a lot of tips, a lot of rebounds, a lot of just garbage goals in front of the net. And how did he score tonight? Beautiful play from David Kampf, I will say. Took a cross check, had a stick up in his stomach, and buries it into the back of the net on a, on a nice little feed in front from David Kampf there. So other parts that I like of Charlie's game, the hitting, like the ability to separate the man from the puck, off the forecheck, his forechecking ability I really like. Defensively, I think he's really responsible. He can play center and wing. The detracting part to his game is that he's not really a playmaker when he has the puck. If it's not going on net or he's not making the most basic pass in a non-high-danger area, you know, he's he's not threading the needle like O'Reilly is. Let's just call it that. But he knows what he is. He's not out there trying to deke through four guys. So... I like this depth that it's really nice to, to summarize it. Yeah, and he's also a a, tr- a right-handed center, which is a little bit under underappreciated, underrated. I don't know if that's I don't I don't want to say underrated because that's not the right word, but it's like underappreciated. Have a right-handed no, center. We, the Leafs don't have it. Like there are very few players in the NHL who shoot right-handed. There's more left-handed. Did shots we have shots. one last year? Did we? Jason Spezza. Oh, I forgot about that. So adds a little. Yeah, that helps a lot on the fourth line. It seems and like the penalty kill. Yeah, and the mm-hmm. penalty kill too. Um, yeah, it's it's valuable to have, and also like just the fact that he's like a true center is mm-hmm. valuable to have too. Because again, like when Austin Matthews was hurt, our center like Kerfoot as your second line center is tough. Now with with this oh. deal, like you you don't you don't worry about if if a centerman gets hurt. Knock you on wood, you. but uh, <laughs> yeah, you, I thought you're itching your leg there. <laughs> no, 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 I had to I had to reach down, knock on some wood, but yeah, you're not really worried about that that much, like because. You you shored up your center depth, and we talked about how much we felt like our centers like was lacking. Like, listen, Pontus Holmberg has been great for us this year. Do we want him playing game one against Tampa Bay? Probably not. Like, no. we, we and the Leafs didn't want him playing ten minutes a night. Yeah. yeah. So and first that, line with the Marlies, and that also goes to show Nolachari played I think 13, 14 minutes last night. I don't know about tonight. We'll but, get into that. I want to yeah. talk some more deployment after, but yeah. This is your uncle's trade deadline ad. Oh yeah. He'll oh love it. yeah. He'll love it. And honestly, you have to give credit to the Leafs management. A lot of criticisms about them. They always acquire the same type of player. They need this. They need that. Well, they went out and they identified what they needed to add to their lineup, and they did it with these two players. Like you said about Achari, I like that he's physical, 
but he also plays center. So he's not like there's empty hits that are out there, right? Mm-hmm. Like I would say Nicholas Abe Kubel in his first 10 games had a lot of empty hits playing on the wing. He just darted in, hit the guy, didn't care where the puck went. Achari's not like that. He's very responsible defensively. He's often covering back. So that's indicative of he's throwing the body in an effective manner. And also when he can't, because I've seen him do it a couple times, like, oh, Achari's going to run through the boards. No. He fades off, little active stick to deny a pass, and then starts retreating. So the fact he has that many hits and he's considered a solid defensive player shows like the type of game he could play. And I I like it a lot. I, I was impressed by his game both nights. He also like again, I, I don't think goal scoring is like the main reason the Leafs got him. Let's start with that. His physicality, he's a center, he can win face offs, fifty three percent. But he has eleven goals. That's one less than Yarncrock and Engvall have. Really? Yeah. I thought Yarncrock had way more for some reason. Well, Yarn to be fair, Yarncrock has missed yeah. Like seven games, but yeah. I mean, like give him some credit. He can kind of put the puck in the back of the net. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a fun trade. He's also just like, you know, that first game against Tampa, like Sergeyev's going to get that puck back there. And Jason's going to be screaming and Achari's going to staple him through the boards. I also said to Jason last night, I wish you could bet on hits in the NHL. Cause whatever number they put up for Achari was going to, he had five hits last night. Nice. Yeah. That's it. Big hit. Yeah, you can tell they're excited but yeah, to, like, to be Leafs. You add, like you said, these are the two guys that give you the mix of players in your lineup that you need, instead of just having a lot of the same guys. So it's, mm-hmm. I'm super excited. I'm really, I all, a lot of credit to the management for taking the swing. Yeah, he looked good. He and we good. mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I did get a DM asking, "Hey, does this kind of give you Felino vibes?" And as we've said before, Nick Felino, when the Leafs had traded for him, had not been above a point every other game for like three or four seasons before they had traded for him. He was well below a point every other game, didn't have that offensive pedigree, did not have a Stanley Cup, did not have a Selkie trophy, did not have any of that. It was just like a tough... He was like a closer to what Nolachari is in this trade. 100%. But Nolachari is 31 and Felino at the time was 35. And also Ryan O'Reilly is 32. Right? Actually, Achari and O'Reilly are like the same age. But anyways, like it, they're a different age. I know he's coming off of a foot injury, but it's a bone injury. It's not a muscle injury. Yeah, he looks It's not like he had a bad back, right? Yeah. So there are differences. Like, just because the Leafs traded for someone that's over 30 and they're a forward does not mean that they're parallel. I understand the concern because that was pretty scarring that we traded a first for a guy First, first and two-fourths two for a guy. Thank you. And he played, what, seven games? Did not, couldn't play in the playoffs? Played seven games in the play, or four games in the playoffs for us, seven games in the regular season. Yeah, but also, uh, also, the other thing is, like, we traded for Felino, and a lot of people were saying he's going to play third-line center for us because he can play center. We got a lot of guys who, quote-unquote, can play center, <laughs> but don't play center. Yeah. Like Yarncroft, Engvall, Kerfoot. These guys are actual centers who play center. True centers, yeah. So, first of all, different positions, so not comparable to Foligno. Second of all, 10 times the – no, that's unfair. Much better player than Foligno was. Mm -hmm. A lot of people didn't even like Foligno when the Leafs lost to Columbus. Like, like he was effective, but you could see some holes in his game. That was a swing that missed. Mm -hmm. We don't know how this is going to go, but I think this is a much more calculated play, and I think – your pedigree of player coming in is much higher. 
Yeah, it's also a swing with a lower ceiling. So well, you know, like, way yeah. lower. Yeah, yeah. so you, you were swinging for the fences, but your tops, you were getting a double. And they also they also put him on the first line immediately with Matthews and Marner, yeah, if you remember. And he, and just, he like, just did not fit at all. No, that was a weird one. But, yeah. And again, like, the penalty, Pelino took a ton of penalties. Ryan O'Reilly, I know he took a penalty tonight, which was rare. But he does not take penalties. He has 10 penalty minutes in 67 playoff games. Yeah, something so, like that. So, 61, something along those lines. So, um, that tells you. And he's also an... A great penalty killer. So, yeah. I mean, that's a massive like draws draws penalties, doesn't take them, is well does well on the penalty kill. Like that is, that's perfect for the like playoffs. he he legitimate. I know everyone thinks he's like on the way down. Legitimately in the playoffs seven months ago, he had seven goals and twelve points in twelve games for St. Louis. In the playoffs last year, in liter in May and June twenty twenty two, when mm-hmm. they played and they played Colorado and whatever he had. Seven goals and twelve. Points. Imagine swapping Ilya Mikheyev for well, that's for what you did. Ryan O'Reilly. That's basically what you're doing. Yeah, right. I know. That's so a, that's a massive swap. Yeah. So I think we've gotten into pretty well what the players are. We gave up what we had to give up because we needed to. We needed to make this swing. It's it's made this team a lot more exciting when it comes to the playoffs. You yeah. had a point. I was just going to jump in there. We made a big move. I don't think we're done yet. Maybe we'll talk Ooh. about that a little bit later, but. We could probably now just yeah. Why not? Oh, I was just gonna say like, listen, we still have assets. We still have all of our quote unquote top prospects. prospects. Like yeah. we could e- very easily move those players to get like good players, right? Mark Stone went for, I think Mark Stone only went Eric for, for for a prop. Mind you, Eric Branstrom was the best prospect at the time. I'm not saying we're gonna get a player like Mark Stone, but it's very mm-hmm. feasible to make a move where you're just giving up a prospect, not giving up a pick. So I, I don't don't think the Leafs are done. The Leafs have a ton of cap space if so, you assume Murray's going to be out long term. If not, then they have not any really just a, enough cap space to add one player at almost minimum unless you clear salary out, which is possible. But also, like if they just decide to keep Murray on ice until the playoffs, they have as much as much cap space. Not as much, but you have four million dollars of cap space, which is a ton. Basically, any player you, you can get deadline. any player at half retained basically. at the deadline. That's a massive amount of cap space. Correct. So in terms of deployment, where would you? Where do you most likely see these two playing in the playoffs? Uh, this is kind of going to get into the game. So I, I'm going to wait. You, you go ahead first, Jason. So, like, where I would want them to be deployed or what I yeah. think they will. Okay, so when we first got this trade, I think we all thought, and I thought, like, Ryan O'Reilly on the third line would probably be the best. And then either playing center, for playing sure. Playing center, yes. I saw a lot of people saying second line left wing. When has he played left wing? I, I think he's pretty much only going to play center other than some weird scenarios that yeah. could pop up where yeah. you like maybe Matthews minor and him out for a shift. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. like something or like Nylander, that. Tavares yeah. or like something like that. Yeah. yeah. Because why would you trade for a guy, put him in a new situation and then put him at a position he hasn't played in God knows how many years. So I thought that was kind of weird, but he's playing center past two games. They put Tavares on the wing. Um, I, again, I think center, I think third line center is where we're going to see him and it's going to, work out nicely. They have some the Leafs have some depth players that I think could complement O'Reilly well, namely Engvall and Yarncroc most likely, but I do think Yarncroc is going to be in that second line left wing position. Yeah. yeah. So maybe you put a Chari What about and, Kerfoot? A Chari and Kerfoot. I don't know about Engvall and Kerfoot on the same line. I yeah. just I think that lacks hockey IQ. But it it has speed to go it has a lot of speed. It has speed. a lot of speed. 
But then, like, how much finishing ability does that have? Oh, I, I think O'Reilly could help with the finishing yeah. ability, right? Um, Ideally, I would like to see O'Reilly with one of Engvall and Kerfoot, and then on the other side, either Yarncroft or you put Achari there or someone else. Or the guy who scored the game-winning goal in overtime against Penn State last night as well. Ooh. That would be fun. Think about it. His line I mean, mate looks pretty good. Him and him look good. I hate to say it. Him, O'Reilly, and Kerfoot. Nye's O'Reilly, Kerfoot would work in my head as Agreed. a line. And then your fourth line is Camp, Engvall, and, and uh, Achari. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a or Aston, Aston Reese get get the competition in there. Like if you don't mm-hmm. want if you don't want if you feel like Engvall's too soft, hey, pop a squat, yeah. right? No, I mean, seriously. We saw a couple games of Alex Steves. He's got some finishing ability. Good yeah. zone two, as you were saying. I don't know if anyone, any one of those guys is going to have like a, yeah. a playoff impact now. No, I really okay. don't. I think out of anyone, like you said, it's probably Holmberg. But I still think Simmons will be there thirteen if they need a guy to go in. I really do. I. I, I see Achari as like a pseudo Simmons replacement in the sense that he mm. fights, he hits, like he kind of does the same things that energy. Yeah, he he was he is an energy guy, but again, we talked about like the difference between Simmons and like a like Simmons. Unfortunately, is at the point in his career where his body's just done. Like he's not he's not an NHL player anymore. Mm-hmm. We have a guy who's like useful, useful grit. It's like I, I forget the word I was using, but anyways, it, he's functional, functional, functional. It's functional, functional toughness. toughness. That's yeah. what we talked about in the yeah. past. Yeah. So well, you could have double grit if you put Simmons with him too. Oh yeah, that's. I I was also saying grit per sixty on the Leafs. Now they have the best grit in the league because O'Reilly and Jordy Ben are the only two play are, are two two of the only I think eight players to not wear a visor. Ooh. So we have the only we have two only team with two guys not wearing visors. We have some visorless energy. It's crazy. I'm glad you brought that up. That's massive. People aren't considering in this trade, but they just have their their domes out like that's. Oh, yeah. Raw dogging it out there. Oh, that's yeah. that's a talent in its own. <laughs> I, that's got to fire someone up. Yeah, but back to the lines. I think, I I I think optimally O'Reilly on his own line is better than with the second line. And I think mm-hmm. I, it'll probably depend on the matchup because I could honestly like thinking about it now. Depending on the teams you play, if they're top six stack and like don't have as great of depth, I think it makes sense to have O'Reilly as your second line center. Mm-hmm. But if we're facing like, I mean, realistically, Tampa, Tampa is and Boston. Yeah, so <laughs> both those guys are. <laughs> Both those teams are pretty stacked down the middle, so they have like good top nine. So it it, it would make more sense to even it out, I think, uh, to do that. And then, yeah, uh, if in that case, Camp is on your fourth line, and it seems like Sheldon Keith loves to play Engvall and David Camp together. I mean, that's like a that's a killer fourth line to play. It's against, a very so. good fourth line. So like my my jumping in point here is again take it with a grain of salt. Montreal was a blow, and then Chicago was a second night of a back to back. I'm just gonna go through some five on five time on ice. So. Against Montreal, Bunting had the least at 11.49, and O'Reilly had the most at 13.43. So, like, all all 12 forwards within two minutes of each other. That's very, They were basically just rolling the lines. Yeah, but they were. It was 4-1. Right. So, I was like, okay, I'll give them a credit. Yeah. Some credit for that. Tonight, though, again, Aston Reese had the least on the team, 9.30, which is a lot of even strength time for him. Mm-hmm. Kerfoot had 10.34. Um, Yarncroft had 12.30. Camp had 12.30. O'Reilly had 14.10, Marner 13.40, Tavares 13.24. Like, O'Reilly only played, like, a, a minute or two minutes more than our bottom six guys. So what's the point of stacking the top six if you're basically just going to roll the lines? That's yeah. a great point. Like, if you're going to do that, just have O'Reilly play third line yeah. and then roll the lines. But I wonder if, like, this is just, like, an in-season um, 
load, load management. management. Yeah, it could be. That's why I said before, like awesome. back to back and yeah. Montreal. But like they really rolled the lines tonight. Mm-hmm. So if you in a game where you were losing most of the game, which I don't really mind necessarily, but if you're gonna do that, you might as well spread O'Reilly to the third line. Then yeah, is what I was thinking. That would make sense because when you put them up there, you're really stacking that top six, and the bottom six is like a little bit better than what we had before, but not much. So like Matthews also, I know there's only two power plays, all situations. Matthews played 1648. O'Reilly played 1616. Like in a game you're losing. That was just odd to me. And Kerfoot still played 12 minutes. Engball played 1320. Like that's a lot of those minutes could have been given to the big dogs. I think. Yeah. They were, they were feeding the fourth line at some point. Fourth line looks really good. Yeah. Fourth line looks really good of Kerfoot, Aston Reese and Achari. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it, it's the easily the best line, the fourth line has looked in a long time. Oh yeah, I know it was only two games, but yeah, you brought up something. So before I forget, uh, Kerfoot on the fourth line after being on the second line the game before, is that telling of something? Uh, I don't know, but I think the fact that again, like he's playing fourth line wing too. Again, it's like they, he's totally out of the picture at center now. It's not even close. Yeah. So now he's, but then again. If O'Reilly goes to 3C, will they be tempted to put him at second line left wing again like they just did? I don't know. He, we'll, we'll just call a spade a spade. Kerfoot's the most expendable current player on the roster. Yes, because you want to get that cap money out. Right. Right. Does things well. We're not going to just poo-poo on Alex He, he cannot score. It's actually getting ridiculous, though. Oh, yeah. No, there was a... Yeah, I mentioned it earlier. There was Last episode, I believe it was, there was a shot in a high-danger area on Corpusalo. Um, where Corpusalo didn't even have to go down, which I've I haven't seen that on an NHL shot in a long time in a high danger area. There was another one. There's a couple others in the next game, but tonight there was a play where he entered the zone. I believe he entered the zone, entered a high danger area, the scoring area, and he wasn't touched, and he om- like he almost lost his balance. I I. I I've never seen anything like it in my life. It looked like he lost his mind while he had the puck on his stick in a wide open area, and it just it resulted in a block shot, and it just went into the corner. But it was like a wide open look in the scoring area that he brought the puck into. It's like his ability to bring the puck into high danger areas, carry the puck into the zone, and move it into some high danger areas is still pretty good. But once he has it on his stick there, he completely loses his mind. It's kind of like, remember Travis Dermott? Every time he would look so good, and then he would cross the red line, and it would just be like, I completely... He would declare, I don't know how to play hockey, and he would just shoot the puck into God knows where. That's what it kind of looks like for Alex Kerfoot. He has the yips. Can I, can I throw this stat at you? Yeah. It's actually unbelievable. Alex Kerfoot at 5-on-5 five five is actually 6th on the Leafs in individual expected goals with 8.3 individual expected goals. He has 3 5-on-5 five five goals. How many how many individual? Eight point three and he has three goals. So he's at minus five. Do you know how hard that is? Five to, that's five. probably per sixty one of the worst in the entire league. No doubt about it. Yeah. I'll look that up, but yeah. I, I wouldn't doubt it at all. You know what that means, right? What? what? Regression. <laughs> We're gonna that, see with that shot. You'll see a one or two. Yeah. His his shot is really bad. No, he's no, I was just probably joking about that. But it's that's crazy. Cool. It's crazy how he put up like was it six points, two goals and 
four assists in that playoff series against Montreal. Yeah, Looking it's back not it. really that crazy. It's called get the puck to William Nylander when he's on a heater, and Fair he enough. will score goals. He even had Jason Spezza helping him along there. Played well, like did fill in nicely, but it's like in terms of point production, come on. He didn't have a goal on a goalie in that series. At five on five, he had like three three points or whatever. True. And it was just literally just like take the puck, push it forward towards William Nylander, and you will end up on the score sheet. Yeah. But I will say, if they don't make another move at forward, I'm fine with him being on the fourth line. I yeah. really am. He's good at transporting it's the effective. puck. He's shown a little bit of jam in the playoffs in the past. Like He'll get in there. He's His speed will help him retrieve pucks against mm-hmm. other teams' third pairings and fourth and lines. He's also good, to, like really good defensively. Like, well, not, let's not... Shouldn't be missed here. Like he's very good defensively, right? So yeah. Unfortunately, when you say get in there in the playoffs, he he did that in the incorrect way last year in Game Six. Yeah. But we don't need to get into that at this moment. <laughs> but anywho, shall we get into the games? Yeah. From tonight, in terms of the new guys, I think we touched on it very well. Liked what they both did. I think the numbers back it up that they've. They've come into the line. They were in St. Louis on Friday night at like, sorry, they flew into Toronto Saturday morning and then just played a game in in Toronto Saturday night and then a back-to-back in Chicago on Sunday night. And yet, they haven't looked at a place. Both have a point. Both have had some like clippable plays, we'll call it, where some, some very positive plays. I haven't seen anything really that they caused any goals against. But it, it's been solid so far through these first two games. I like I've liked what I've seen. That's good. they're good players. Like plain and simple. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that that first period against Montreal, the first first five, shift, first five minutes, just the the all first four lines getting through. It was just pure like just domination on the on like the cycle, just literally not letting them breathe. It was it was solid mm-hmm. to see, and uh, we talked like touched on it earlier in the episode. Nola Chari like. The one thing, one biggest takeaway I took away from that Habs game is how much, like you said, he likes to play that high three, uh, the F three role in the mm-hmm. offensive zone. He's very good at that, and he won't go out of his way to to get hits, but still somehow mustered up five hits for that game. So, yeah, functional toughness is what he brings. Uh, that Montreal game, uh, Jason, you were at that game as well, right? Like, yeah, crowd sounded loud. It was good. There was a ton of Habs. A lot fans of Montreal there. fans. Yeah. Like a ton, a ton. Kind of crazy. Yeah. But I found that that game, like, it was a little bit sleepy for a little while. It yeah. felt like they got lulled yeah. at periods. And, it, I mean, they went down one nothing, which is not something you want to see, especially after trading away all your picks. <laughs> and hockey night in Canada, you're going down to one of the worst teams in the league. But I thought Joseph Wool in that time that they were down was a bit of a difference maker. Uh, one thing that I've noticed in his game like he takes up a lot of the net and I've noticed a few rush chances off the side, not in high danger areas, but rush chances off the side where they're just missing by a lot because there's nothing to look at there. He's been steady. He can make those big saves because he's, he's big and he's flexible and he can really stretch out. But in terms of his demeanor and how he's like, he's, he looks calm in there. The movements aren't too flustered. His reads have looked solid. I mean, just one tipped goal through a screen against Montreal. Other than that, he was perfect. He looked very, very good. Playing the puck, he was okay too. So I, I thought he was a difference maker in that one. And then the floodgates were able to open and the Leafs were able to take over in that one. I mean, it wasn't 
Montreal's just not very good this yeah. year. Yeah. We'll get him next year. I, right? I I want more Joseph Wall. I really do. Mm. I like I a lot of people are worried about Matt Murray's injury and needing to get another goalie. I'm not in that camp personally. Ooh. I'm not. The guys look good. He's produced. If this is any other team, oh, the the AHL all AHL All Star goalie, nine thirty save percentage, doesn't lose a game. He was a decently highly touted prospect. If you consider goalies are rarely taken in the top three rounds. There's usually let's say five to seven per year. Yeah, depending on the year. And the Leafs very rarely do it. I know they did it back to back years in the mm-hmm. third and fourth round, but he was a third round pick. He's also a, an early third. He's a sixty second overall pick. That's a second round pick now. That's true. And it was in 2015. And, and Big draft year. And people are acting like this guy just came out of nowhere. He didn't come out of nowhere. He's, he's had a couple injury issues that has delayed his development a bit. Well, so this is where he's kind of... Well, okay, so to back it up further, he was the starter over Jake Ottinger for the United States of the World Juniors. I really don't know why. I don't know who that goalie coach was that picked that, but kind of funny to see. But he was a starter at Boston College for three years, coming in as a freshman too, which is pretty impressive in itself. Sometimes you see third-round picks go in, and they, they're the backup. They play five games that year. He was the starter for Boston College, which is massive. The reason where it kind of it didn't come out of nowhere, it was a little bit of a slow progression. His first year in the AHL that he came over, started off well, was like a 9-10, and then fell off a cliff, and it finished the year at an 880. The next year, again, sub-900, in those years, you have to look at certain games. Like, there was a game against Laval where he stopped, like, 44 shots on 46, 44 saves on 46 shots, played incredible, made some huge saves because, he again, he showed off. He's big, he's pretty fast, he's very flexible, but was just, like, the angles weren't that good, the reads weren't where they needed to be, and he was kind of the backup in Toronto, the de- too. The decor for the Marlies those years was brutal. Horrible. Like, Joseph brutal. Duzak. Like, it was a bunch of offensive defensemen. I don't know why they set it up like that, but it is what it is. But then that next year, the, like, the Leafs called him up. He had a sub-900 save percentage in the AHL when they called him up. He had some okay showings. He showed some flashes, but also showed why he's in the AHL. After they sent him down after that, and up until he got injured that year, he was playing some very good hockey. He looked very, very good, had a big shoulder injury, came back this year, and has been red hot. So the ramp up was a little bit slow, but he's really, really taken off recently. No, I'm just saying, like, if you pay attention, you knew he was in the system and he yeah. was like one of the guys, right? And mm-hmm. he would have been in Shalgren's place had he not been injured. Like mm-hmm. Shalgren, I think people think he was behind Shalgren in the depth chart. The only reason yeah. he was was because of injury, pretty much, yeah, right. And even in 21-22, he had a 907 save percentage, but a 336 goals against average. Yeah, that's which tells bad. me this guy is getting peppered every game again i'm i'm in on joseph wall i don't know why we're not more people aren't like watching this happen because i think this could be a thing that that comes up in the next couple years i really do no 100 percent. i would i really want them to feed him a lot of games when murray's out because murray's out until feb 28 so you have a little bit of time uh, as of at now. least feb 28 now. so you have a little bit of time why not i, I also i would keep murray out until the playoffs. I really wouldn't. I'd roll, roll with Wall as your backup. I don't, I really, you gave me a little, uh, there, every time, everyone I tell this to gives me, an, uh, why, why are people not okay with that? I don't understand. I want to see I'm, a couple I'm, more I'm, games first. For who, of who? Wall. Oh, of Wall. But even if he's just Shalgren, you made the playoffs with Shalgren as your backup last yeah, year. Yeah, that's true. No, I, I definitely don't think we need him. And, and 
down the stretch at all. No, I, just don't, I think no. I, I think you do if if Samsonov is your starter, and there's no doubt Samsonov is your starter. I think having Matt Murray as the backup there, having been there before, is much more helpful. Okay, then, sorry, hand up. What's stopping him from being the backup game one of the playoffs? Who? Matt Murray. Being injured. I don't know. I'm saying you hold him out on LTIR. You oh. use the space, and he plays game one of the playoffs. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, obviously. But Matt Murray could still be the knight in shining armor backup to Flurry. Same scenario if it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. You can just give him the rest until then, though. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like, in terms of the rest of the way, I'm, I have no problem giving Joseph Wool a lot. Agreed. Even if Matt Murray's healthy, chances. I still want to see him mixed in. Because we don't, like, I don't think... Yeah, I agree with that, too. I don't even think, like, Samsonov has started to kind of, like, before the All-Star game, felt like he was kind of running away with it at this, but after tonight, I, I wasn't that impressed with him. I know he's a little sick, but... Um, he is sick. Not a little sick. He is actually Okay, he's sick, sick but has he done... He's sick. <laughs> has he done enough to, like, fully run away with the job, saying, like, cementing him? Didn't he just he get is... a shutout against Columbus? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I sorry. I do, he, I, to answer your question, I do think he has run away with it. I okay. do. So a little bit, yeah. All right, he's whatever. had some still up get, and down. Still games. get Wall in is what I'm trying I to say. Agree, but I agree with you hurt. about Wall. I'm just very pushed back on Murray being in in a competition here to be the game one starter. I don't think I don't even think it's competition right now. Yeah, no, it shouldn't be. Okay. I agree. I agree yeah, okay, with, okay. with that. But I yeah, agree. I agree. Mix Wall in three goalies. Why not? At that time, you can bring him up and down. You can. You have Seriously. Simmons who can go up and down. On, you can. You can um, up and down him and Simmons as much as you want. Yeah. Because uh, Wool is still waiver exempt, and Simmons now is waiver exempt until the end of the month or something, and like end that. of like February sixteenth or sorry March sixteenth, yeah, March seventeenth. So like, you March could 18th. even have Murray back at that point and still, and, and he's basically waiver exempt for yeah, the rest yeah. of the year you're because right, past right. the, like we talked about this last, yesterday, past the trade deadline, like is someone really going to waiver like claim Wayne Simmons off waivers? Everyone's probably pushed up against the cap. Like, well, they've, probably they've not. waived him like seven times. Yeah. <laughs> no one's done it now. I doubt anyone will do it. I highly doubt you know, anyone's like, going to do I it. I still think there's a chance Wayne Simmons plays a game against Tampa. I, I for sh- I'm confident oh. that he plays game one against Tampa. Like Kyle Clifford played a game last year. Played I game know. one last year. I know. I know. He played game one and game two. No, no, no Simmons no. played game one too. Kyle Clifford could not because he got suspended. And then I don't it's think they point. were going to go back to him after no. a five minute. Five minute, how many minutes into the game? Yeah, I, I could easily see Wayne Simmons playing over Zach Aston in, in the first game. Hundred percent, I'm with you. Okay, here it is. Uh, Kerfoot, uh, individual expected goals minus goals per sixty. He is like eighty third in the league. If you account for players with two, more than two hundred fifty minutes, really? There's guys worse than that. Much worse than him. Yeah, Who? when you look at it, well, there, you have defensemen in there. Yeah, well, I you got to take defensemen out. But there's a lot of forwards in here like too. Who? Like, why uh, Zach Hyman has ten five on five goals, and his individual expected goals is nineteen point one seven. He's God. seeing the regression <laughs> on the power play though. Oh regression doesn't care if it's at five on five. I didn't realize it was that bad. Let's see this one: twelve point one four individual expected goals for Drake Batherson. He's got five five on five wow. goals. He's a pretty good shooter, too. But Zach Hyman is in terms of the highest. And I, then Zach Parisi, eight five-on-five goals, and he is at a 13.65. So not that that bad, actually. I, I find, still think it's well, it's bad. bad. It's, it's, it's in the bottom half of the league. It's got to be worse than bottom half. There's, there's something, For sure. something up Sorry. Um, Maybe with the minutes. Well, this is out of – no, this is out of – that's 83 out of 868 skaters. 
So bottom 10%. 10%. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes more sense, actually. And you did it per 60 minutes. Per 60 minutes, yes. Oh, interesting. It's crazy yeah. to me that Zach Iman has 10 5-on-5 goals, but has 27 27 goals, goals on the year. So oh he's, he's getting bad luck. He's going to score more. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's all just going to even out for him. That's kind of funny. Never scored more than 21 with the least, by the way. Yeah. Like, number one back in the league back. is Stefan Nason, former Leaf. Individual former expected league. goals, 9.04 like goals, two. Oh, two. Wait, what? There's two five-on-five five goals. How does he have so many goals? Uh, the power play, I guess. Power play, two. He has 10. I was going to say he has, like, a lot of goals. This Did time. I screw everything up here? Uh, oh. It's all Do I have a filter on? Uh, so, <laughs> something doesn't seem right just with my brain calculating it, but that's okay. Okay. I... What were we even talking about before this? No, it says he has... Chicago. Let's talk about the game tonight now. Yeah, let's talk about the games because I screwed yeah, this whatever. up totally. Curve can't score. We don't need the numbers. Yeah. Use our eyes. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> watch yeah, the game, watch. Yeah, yeah. idiots. But uh, in terms of the game tonight, I do have some opinions on what unfolded there. Number one, like, Samsonov was sick. He couldn't make a save. He was swimming out there. He had the goggles on tonight. Sick in the bad way, not in the good way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he didn't He didn't have his uh, West 49 hat on, tilted <laughs> to the side. But as we've mentioned in the past, Samsonov is a very active goaltender, big and active goaltender. He's pretty fast, too. There are games when he's not feeling it, and he's got the full goggles and flippers on, and he is swimming out there. And tonight was one of them. There was that, that play... On the two-on-one where Brody accidentally hit it towards the net, he broke up the pass but hit it towards the net. I thought Samsonov was going to slide out of the net. Like he was, he he was splashing around there that much. He he was sick. It was apparent, very apparent. What in his post-game interview? Or he he looked just... like he probably lost five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten pounds in his face, <laughs> and he looked super sick. He said so. he, he said some funny stuff too. He's kind of a funny guy actually. Yeah, um, he... And I just. Before we get started, I respect that he played through that period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no other comments, just that he played through it. No no gassing the game, no warm up and then out. He played. Yeah. So that's huge for the good for the morale of the team. Yeah. But in terms of how the Leafs played, like I just want to go back to the fourth goal from Chicago. What happened there? The Leafs were pressing hard. They had come back, they scored two to tie it. They were pressing hard. They ended up with three guys deep chasing the puck. And then a fourth, the defenseman was down there too. And then what happens? It ends up a two-on-one the other way. But not just a two-on-one, not a pressure two-on-one, a wide-open two-on-one. And Gutman, or whatever his name was, just picked a corner on Samsonov. It was a beautiful shot. Great shot. You have to respect the shooter on that one. Shooter shot in that one. The Leafs tonight, I felt like, got running around and it really costed them. Like, on a few of the Patrick Kane goals, he had three tonight, so he was all of the other ones on Samsonov. Look how much time and space they gave him. It was just ridiculous. There was one of them. Riley was just standing there like a pylon. No. Not our Riley. No. Not our Morgan Him and Riley. Justin Hall, that's a good pairing for your uh, your heart rate watching on this game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were horrific tonight. Don't know why, don't know why they do that. I have absolutely no I idea. went back to it. Don't, don't know, know why. But yeah, it's worked out. Can you pull up the one of someone pull up the numbers on what they are together? Because I'm sure it's probably not bad. It's just their their big event negatives together. It's just unbelievable. Like big event negatives, and then allowing extended possessions in scoring areas. It seems like and turnovers as well is is just brutal. But 
more than a few of the times, it was just like Patrick Kane had the puck, had the puck, had the puck, and did whatever he wanted. A little flick of the wrists. Hey, how do you do? You guys said I had a bum hip. Go go after yourself. Is that uh, five goals and six points in two games for Kane? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Not a bad player, if you ask me. Oh, but then come you had- on. You had some hesitance last week I did, when we the talked hip. about it. But then apparently something happened. <laughs> I don't know. But it was kind of funny seeing people on Twitter go, oh, yeah, well, when Patrick Kane's on the ice, the high danger chances are 6-0. Oh, to yeah, zero. Yeah. Okay, well, the goals are 3-0. to zero. So, so might uh, not actually be that, but he had three. Yeah, so yeah. that's what matters the most. But so the big thing that it, from what I saw, and Frankie Corrado would put it very nicely on 10-50 after the game, the Leafs are better when they almost play more boring. You can't have three guys deep and then your fourth, your defenseman as well. Well, especially when it's Brody, Engvall, Kampf, and Yarncroft. Yeah. <laughs> like, that- I think, I don't think, if it was, I guess, a top line, you could say, oh, they need to play more boring. But, like, that's like your checking line. What are they doing? Yeah. yeah. I don't know why. I, I think that was, I, I don't want to push blame on someone, but I think Brody just got a little excited on that play and just probably should have. Yeah, have but he can go. Play. It's just someone has to cover. Yeah. It's a 4-4 game. He just had a goal. He was he took the puck from the blue line up the ice, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was that, too. Uh, I felt like also, like, it was a bit of an inconsistent effort. Like, there were some good plays where I'd be like, wow, great steal, great possession, great chance. But then it would be backed up by, okay, giveaway, 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 and then the play's in our zone, and it's not looking too hot there, right? So I felt like, like the Leafs can't, you got to pick and choose where you go four deep. Like being in a tie, if they were down three two late in the game, by all means, of course, one thousand percent. In a tie game where you just work to get it tied back on the road, off the second half of a back to back, ah, I don't know. I don't know if you should be doing that. Yeah, that was that was a bad. One. Bit hosed by refing, but. Again, you did shoot yourself in the head. Brutal. Like, oh my God. You did shoot yourself in the foot a little bit. But, you know, when there's an icing play and Michael Bunting is rocked, meaning that on an icing, nobody touched the puck, but still he got hit. How do you not not call the penalty there? Penalty or or face off at center of the ice? No way that the face off should have just been in our own zone. I think that's what grinded my gears the most. like on that play, it was legitimately just an incorrect call. Yeah. No matter what, how you yeah. slice it up. <laughs> yeah. So nobody touched the puck and he got hit. Yeah. So how is the faceoff in our like? Yeah. How is there no penalty and how's the faceoff in the Leafs zone? But also, like I Patrick know, Kane tripped Austin Matthews right in front of the ref and then scored like Hall right after. Or Hall. Well. It yeah, was I'm Hall. Sorry, not Hall. not yeah. Austin Matthews. It was Justin Hall. When Marner scored, I'm pretty sure he was screaming at the ref. I'm uh, uh, well, I mean, there was like five five sticks in his glove on the way down. So yeah. I can imagine why he was pissed because he probably scored and saw no refs' hands were held up. It's like, hey, you just you just called us on the other end of the ice for this, and you're not gonna you're not gonna do the same thing here. Like, what are you doing? Also, you called it for I don't know a like guy who has 50 NHL games on the Chicago Blackhawks, but look, Mitch Marner can't draw a call for the life of him. So, anyways, but mm-hmm. okay, I yeah. like that. Um, <laughs> One guy I thought was good tonight, Jake McCabe. Very good. Silently. Very, very good. good. Yeah. That's, That's his good. game, though. Yeah. A little you, bit of this, a little bit of that. exactly bit of Jake hitting. McCabe amount of cap space if you leave Murray on LTIR. That's true. Oh, that'd be lovely, wouldn't it? A little bit of that. But um, he fell that first game mm, against Chicago. So I don't garbage. Want, actually, I don't think people want him anymore. Yeah, okay. 
played awesome tonight. There was yeah, a few, more than a few instances where it was just break up a cycle, stop mm-hmm. a zone entry, transition the puck up the ice. Just quiet, but it worked. That's how it's done. But there was one other thing that Frankie Corrado did mention. They were doing the post game, this and that. And it was about bunting and his kind of antics. Bunting needs to drop the gloves or you're going to get laughed at like he was laughed at by Jake McCabe tonight. I'm not saying bunting has to turn into a fighter. Once in a while, you have to fight. Because if you're going into scrums, guys are just going to do whatever the hell they want to you. And they're going to laugh in your face afterwards if you don't take exception. Yeah, I guess I guess that's why fighting's in the game, right? Is like if if you're not going to get defended by the the referees, you got to just defend yourself. <laughs> it's true. I like that. Well, no, if you think about it, he should have like realistically what 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 caused him to even get into a scrum with Jake McCabe? He was interfered. Yeah. So, okay. Like McCabe so, was ready to go though. Yeah, he should he definitely he should have gone. Should have then go then. I guess I don't know. It's a contact sport. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I I yeah, fair. That's that's, that's fair, I guess, yeah. But are you saying that's most that's uh, a consequence of the issues with the officiating. I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason why he gets laughed at is because you can kind of do whatever you want to him. And, and listen, he either retaliates and gets a penalty. He's not going to fight you. He's five eight. I'm sorry. Like to expect. No. Of course, he's not going to fight someone who's six foot tall. Like, but what what can what but can they, he do? You went there? after him. He didn't take the hit and then just fall and go like ah like where's my penalty? He then turned around and hit Jake McCabe in the head. Yeah, I hit. It's like gave him a little shove like. Which is pretty common to in his all face, scrums. yeah. And also, Michael Bunting, six foot one ninety two. Is he actually five eight? I don't know. He looks small on the ice. Maybe he does look small. It's, I think it's the way he skates, though. Bit. I think he's hunched over. He is a hunched guy. But awesome. I, I will say, I'm not getting involved in this argument. But he, he's definitely lost the officials. He, he, whether you agree with that's how the league should be officiated or not, officials definitely think he's a diver, and they definitely think he's a complainer. And the NHL thinks it too. Last year they find him. And he is certainly not getting any benefit on the ice in terms of drawing calls this year. It's yeah. That which is a bit of an issue, I'll be honest with you. The only thing I don't think he has to fight. I think he does have to like I don't want to say like rein it in because that's part of what makes him mm-hmm. good. Maybe just five percent of the like when he was screaming at the officials, what night was it? Like, it was uh, like Boston. A, that was I know it was a bad. That's like he was bleeding. Yeah, he and I know he was pissed, but that was that but was. That, there was another night like right before that where you can't just scream. Like the officials are. I know we think it's bad for Toronto. It, it probably is. It's bad every night. Like McDavid got hounded for three years. Now they call penalties on him, but mm-hmm. like you can't. I, I think that reflected poorly on him for the in terms of how the officials look at him, whether we agree or not. That's all I'm saying. Like it is, and I'm sure they've talked to him about it at, in, in some form or fashion. It, it probably like how is it possible that Marshawn's still been able to draw penalties all this time? Like I don't know how. Like figure that out though. You know what I mean? Like exactly. I think that's a good way to put it because yeah. the way he's doing it right now is not clearly not working. Like we're not saying oh like. My God, this bunting guy is an idiot. What are you doing? Like, it brings life. It brings energy to the game. But when the other team is laughing at you like that, it's not a good look. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a, it's a minor thing, though, still in the grand yeah. scheme of things. Like, oh, yeah. I, I don't know if he should fight, though. That's, I, that's one iffy. Against a guy that's his size. Maybe not Jake McCabe, but you have to send a mess. How many fights does Michael Bunting have in the NHL? I, I have no idea. 
probably none. None. Didn't he it's fight same. for Matthews once? Remember when when, when Mike Rupp was pissed that Matthews didn't fight that game? Oh, he didn't. I don't think no, it was that a was, fight. That was it was when Giordano. Giordano, Giordano he fought. fought. Go to hockeyfights.com. Nathan Walker in the AHL. Okay. Oh, he fought. Okay. Kirby Reichel in the AHL. He fought. Okay, I fought my brother when I was younger. Doesn't make me a fighter. I'm pretty sure he fought a, fo- uh, a current ref, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I remember, he did. I remember the looking at The guy who shoved him, no? Yeah, yeah, the guy who shoved him. That's yeah. a good call. But in the NHL, he hasn't fought. He has, he has zero fights in the NHL. Like, find someone your size. Lost Colton. That's a good matchup. There you go. That'd be a decent one right there. Someone. Brad Marchand's even around your they size. Wouldn't fight him, though, Probably wouldn't fight him. But there's a lot of guys six foot one ninety two. Don't go after six four two twenty Jake McCabe. But send a little message out there. Hey, like I am willing. Because if you keep just going in there and like just pushing and then like pouting and screaming, people are just gonna be like, okay, like you're a child. Like, yeah, and that, maybe that's the adjustment he needs to make to get back in the officials' good graces. Like at the beginning of last year, it was incredible how many penalties he drew. Yeah. And he's still drawing penalties. I, I, he's pro- is he positive, positive yeah. drawing takes still? Like, yeah. So by one or two. Or that's so. solid. It's just that was one of the skills that he had. Oh, yeah. Last year he had like the highest penalties drawn in the league. Same he's, thing happened to Kadri. Very though. well. As soon as Kadri was labeled as a diver for the Leafs, yeah. suspension, and then it just turned on him. But Yeah. The refs are not dumb. They know when, when you're doing these the things. The refs are not dumb. Okay. All right. Jason? What? I'm just looking at Michael Bunting penalties. Like he's 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 drawn, drawn, drew two against Boston, which is crazy. That hmm. game he was going nuts. Yeah, maybe that's why they didn't give him the <laughs> the third one. A little game management there. No, but I think the refs. There, I I think the, this is a small thing. I think some of it is NHL related. Why the refs? Like I think mm-hmm. it, the NHL could do a better job of controlling the group think of their referees as we've seen some I think if we start praising the refs that's when Gary's going to crack down on them it's also a hard sport to ref but I I think it's it's been kind of rough but Mm. we'll see listen it was worse earlier on in January when like there was like four minute literal high sticks not being called on Zach Aston Reese and Michael Bunting yeah so whatever but I mean it is what it is the penalties it's not gonna get better or worse in the playoffs this is this is what it is so you gotta you gotta still be able to win games through this so not yeah, yeah I agree Yep, yep. But, again, don't change who bunting is. Still no. got to be that guy. No, you still got to be that pest, or else you'll be fast-tracked to the AHL. <laughs> okay, a, a little harsh, but, yeah, you know what I mean. Anywho, uh, any other points from the Leafs this past week? Uh, yeah, I think the Leafs aren't done trade deadline-wise. Let's go out, maybe get a, another bottom six forward. I don't know if there's any like good enough forwards that are, are worth it for – what we have in the tank right now. Let's go on our list. What type of guy? Like, what are we? What stats are we looking for? I, I'm lo- I'm looking specifically for a D. Uh, okay. That's what I, that's who I would want. Okay. And uh, and so I was thinking about this actually, because of how few assets you have, and because you have Timmons as your seven and Ben as your eight, is it basically you're trading for a D that's going to play top four or top five call it minutes or bust now? Like, are you going to trade for? Uh, yes, Luke Shen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Luke Shen no, or no, no, no. Hamannick or no. I, I would avoid Luke Shen. I would avoid Hamannick. Like maybe um, now Kulikov's getting thrown out there. Yeah, I, I just think you're splitting hairs when you're trying to say like, oh, this guy's better than like they're older than what we have, but are they better? I don't know. 
Also, sorry to get off track here, but Stefan Nason does have two five-on-five goals. I was no, correct. Yeah, he has yeah. seven power play goals. That's wild. Good for him. So, that's why he's at the top of the list right now. Yeah. Anyways. One name I was going to throw out there that's like only in the depth is Justin Braun, but I didn't realize he's 36 now. He's he pretty... has zero points this year. Yeah. Did he get his first point? I don't know. I don't think so. But then, like, that's just pure depth, and then why are you giving an asset if you already have eight NHL defense? Yeah, yeah, we don't have true. to worry about the COVID laws. We're not going out giving a fifth for for what's his uh Ben Hutton from Vancouver there. Oh, he has one point. He got his first point. He got it f- his first point on Feb 18 yesterday. Nice. Congratulations. And Liam Foody got his first goal. First regular season goal about th- 3 years after he scored the series clincher against the Leafs from the oh from the corner. God. He got his first regular season goal. So congrats to yeah. Liam Foody. And I was making fun of him yesterday. In Jason, Jason was making fun of him yesterday and then he proceeded to score the goal. Wow. Yeah. You got Chris Kunitz, right in your I got dome. Kunitz in the dome. Yeah. Uh, he's not going to be a Hall of Famer like Kunitz. <laughs> well, we'll see now. Uh, Do you the, speak too soon there? Maybe. The one guy I think is interesting, and it seems like a leafy guy, is Nick Steeler from Philadelphia. Maybe, yeah. Um, Defensive. He's two years as well. So that's where if you depart with an asset and he doesn't necessarily play in your top six immediately, like you could have him next year as well. So That could be one, yeah. I think it's going to be like a more minor kind of deal, but I'm curious to see what they do. It's just, I, I don't, I know you want Matt Murray LTIR. I don't think they're going to do it. Well, then they can't make a trade though, really. Yeah. Unless they trade. They'll Kerfoot. have like one-ish million cap space. Uh, are you sure? Oh, if you, well, because they have a full roster right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's fair. Because so. like they would send, well, what goal would have to be sent they down. Could. But Wall I mean, and Joey Anderson down. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. then, yeah, I mean. I don't think you can send down. Right now, we have eight D on our active roster, which isn't the most optimal. But like, I don't think you can send out Jordy Ben. I don't think that's worth the risk, just because if if yeah, anything, I think he get claimed. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And I, I I think he's more useful as like just a depth guy in the playoffs, where in, in case someone gets hurt. Yeah, and if you go twelve eight, you could just do eleven and seven for a game. You know what I mean? Yeah, which is crazy. Honestly, it's funny that you say that because we haven't done eleven seven all year. I know, and t- teams are doing a lot. Colorado and yeah. Tampa, like we talked about, I've done I, multiple times. Yeah. Can't, this is just another side tangent, but Cam Sherron mentioned it today. It's like back to back. We don't we don't play start goalies back to back. At what point are we going to start like summing up players in back to backs? Right? It's not mm. the NBA. Can't do that. Like, I mean, I don't think guys like Mark. Gier, like I said, I said this to Jason this week. If you had to set odds of the only D on the Leafs that have played every game this year being Mark Giordano preseason, it would have been plus. I don't know oh, how yeah, much. This is the NBA. It would be he would be literally the last D but of the top six. Like he, he doesn't, doesn't want to come out. That's the issue. It's not like LeBron gets great for LeBron, breaks Kareem's record, doesn't play for four games after. Yeah. While they're losing and trying to get guys at the trade deadline. Like, yeah, that's a, that was kind of funny. But, but I feel like a guy like Mark Giordano feels like if he sits out, it ruins his routine, his mm-hmm. how he prepares for a game, and then maybe he's a little off. I feel like, though, with that, you give that excuse to the player, whatever, and you, you respect the player's wishes and how he really needs to go for pregame skate and all that i feel like though like when you listen back to like patrick marlowe when he remember how he had those skates and he was like oh i have to use these skates he switched and then he was like shit why didn't i do this earlier yeah also like you could just do 70 and geo could play like eight minutes yeah i'll never do that though what's the thing i don't know why i just i feel like they would they would that'd be a way to keep him playing and okay how about 13 minutes yeah you'd have to you'd have to work out something with the player to be like hey like look we need you to do this kind of thing. So, but w- sorry, I don't ba- think we got will. a little off track. What other players then? 
if it's a smaller move. Um, bunny, no bunny, no bunny, no bunny. Ooh. With Kerfoot out? Yeah. But you don't need centers now, I feel like. He could play. So? He could flip to the wing, I guess. I mean, well, Nolichari could flip to the wing. Yeah. Bonino would be very cool. I like I like Bonino. You'd have a you'd lead the league in grid per sixty. Yeah. yeah. In grizzles. Uh, the thing is, like you said, Bonino can score as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm looking at guys so like who kind can of score. F- yeah, yeah. Okay. Like honestly, like maybe even Bukesad. Like mm, he's gonna be a bit expensive. Uh, he, he, he's I expensive. Think, like asset wise. Yeah. Yeah, he's got like a point every other game. Didn't realize six that. foot six or whatever. Plays center. Nine hundred k cap hit. I don't think he can play on the wing. I, I think he's like almost Tage Thompson-y where... He needs to be playing center. I, yeah, or else he's not it's that awkward good. when he's on the wing. Interesting. Uh, maybe a Gus Nyquist. I know he's hurt. Um, that might be a guy. Yeah, maybe they slip in because they have the room. He's and they hurt put him all the way LTIR. until the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an LTIR play. Yeah. Okay. And you could just simply swap him in. Especially if Murray. Murray's then comes off the LTIR. Yeah. But yeah, Gus... that's a good one. That's an interesting It's one. almost equal cap. It's Murray's like 4-7. He's five, like Nyquist is five five. So the difference in that is just Joseph Wall being. He's sent an down. okay player. He's he's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, Gus Nyquist, okay, and this shouldn't cost you much. Yeah, I I don't think I don't think they're going to get a lot for him. Uh, so other, I would do that then. Other guys who are have a good amount of goals. Uh, Sean Corrali. I don't know if I'm that interested in him. Yeah. Kevin LeBanc. Ring, ring the bell. Keep going oh, for him. Yeah. I would give. He's I, barely playing. For I would give up next year's first for him because he's. From what I've heard from Sharks, people just seeing comments and all that, they're like, I have no idea why. Yeah, I saw that too. So, like this, if you want a second line left winger, like he's your guy. Mm-hmm. So that'd have to be Kerfoot out probably though. No. Uh, it would work with Matt Murray on LTIR for this year at least. But again, I, would you guys? I would give a first for him easily. Next year's first. Yeah, you're for just running out of first. LeBanc? But, but I don't, you don't need to give a first. But first. that's next year's that like. I rationalize that as that, that's next year's deadline. I don't think you got to give a first for a guy who's been healthy scratch. So oh, so then so yeah, you, you, you try and get him for cheaper. Look. So maybe a really give a first and get a second back. I don't know. Something like that. Because we don't have seconds, right? So maybe that's something that would be. T- would you take his full cap hit? I, I wouldn't mm. mind. Oh, because your first Four, could seven, be. Five. Four, seven, five is expensive for what he brings, but he's a good player. Brings something. Solid little player Definitely there. something to look at there. Yeah. Just looking at San Jose, they have. Literally no picks. Never mind. San Jose. <laughs> they literally have no. They have like their own picks. They, they don't. They have no they extra su- picks. Yeah, they have they no extra. Made any trades? They have a conditional fourth from Seattle. They have a conditional yeah. third from from Carolina. They don't have their own third this year. They don't have next year's fourth. <laughs> like they have a seventh from Vancouver though, so that's good. But. I think that'll change in the next week. Probably. Yeah. They'll probably get a a ton of assets for Timo. Yeah. yeah. Um. I like Connor Garland again. I don't know how it works with the cap hit and term. He's a good player, though. I, I mean, I've heard a lot of good things about him, and from what I've seen, yeah, he's good. Like a know. nice, a nice supporting cast piece, top six. Maybe like when they traded for him, like the allure of what he could be, like made yeah, because he was trending up. He had fifty-two points last year, but he's like a solid middle six, fifty yeah. to sixty-point guy. Like I, they he, signed him for too much. That's the issue. Four nine five is if he's on if he's a free agent right now. Would no. he not make yeah, close his to that? Per, his per 60 numbers are But about, not even yeah. just raw numbers. Would he not make close to that? Probably close. A little bit under. I like think how, uh, uh, what's Bunting going to make? Yeah, Bunting's going to get paid. I have no idea. That's true. But I, w- I was thinking about this. Uh, same maybe. same yeah. contract, same maybe term. Four nine. Yeah, I don't think he's exceeded it, and that's what people are expecting. I don't yeah, know. Maybe. That's fair. Who knows? 
quick hypothetical, same contract, same term. Because uh, I feel like you could probably get both 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 guys are going to be similar numbers in the offseason based off of what O'Reilly has been rumored to ask for from the Blues. Assuming he take like he probably take a hometown discount, you could probably get the both guys at the same contract and term. You take O'Reilly ten times out of ten. Over who you didn't say that. Bunting. Their contracts are probably going to be similar. If like assuming O'Reilly were to take a hometown discount, I don't know if I take. It's tough. That's really tough. It depends on how how things go. Honestly, depends it's, on the term. It's going to be tight. Because like yeah, shorter term you probably take O'Reilly, but longer yeah, term yeah. you probably take Bunting. But then again, at the same time, Bunting still Bunting's not that that. Yeah, he's still like again. I understand that he was in should have won the Calder last year. That's a good. That's a he's good still twenty six though, right? Like twenty seven. Twenty seven. Now he's gonna be twenty eight next year. Um, this year, twenty eight this year. So yeah. like, <laughs> when his contract kicks in, he'll be twenty eight, right? So if you're signing him long term, like if you said same cap hit next year, I'd rather have O'Reilly. Yeah, just for next year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Riley under under like three years, I think would would be a great. I think one. they're gonna try to sign him too. We'll oh see. yeah, they're gonna. They, Kyle Dubas said, "Gotta see, live together before you marry." I saw it. that was funny. That's he uh, had a great. That was a great press conference. Honestly. Yeah. yeah, very enjoyable. Gave some good details. Didn't uh, didn't beat around the bush. I Any really other like names that. on here we could think about or no? Jacob Chitrin. Chitrin. Other yeah. than that, but you'd have to give up Sandine a first and nice probably. It would work. I mean, I'm down. Yeah. Got to go for it. Swing for the fences. He's got term too. Yeah. Especially if you're he, they're retaining. You have that number one defenseman for what three mil? Yeah. So if you could me? fit McCabe in, would you, what would you give for him right now? Like, what would the cost be at his full Ooh. price for three years? You probably full have, cap hit. I, I think That'd it'd be, be a, a prospect. First. No, I don't, I, I don't think it's a first for his full cap hit. We'll see. I, I think it's. I think one of the prospects like. Uh, Minton or uh, Nimala. I don't know if you'd give knives for him, but that's like probably what some y- prospects. What you would want to do? I don't think the they would give knives for him because I think if St. Louis said oh, we'd rather have knives than your first, like St. Louis is probably also pretty familiar with knives. I, I I think knives is considered better than a first to them from what everything mm-hmm. that Kyle Dubes has said. Yeah, and and also just going off of what you said there, like we talked about this, I think last week maybe, but the Blackhawks have are going to be having a ton of picks this upcoming year. Like, would it be more valuable than to them to get more developed prospects? Is that interesting mm. to them? Like, or would they point. rather get? And now, but 30? now I wonder. Now that Taves, like, because of his illness, hopefully yeah. he ends up being okay and can come back and play. But he's not going to be traded now, so I wonder if now they're like, okay, maybe, just maybe, maybe, maybe we do trade McCabe and just get a pick because now Kane is no New York, and now Taves isn't getting traded. Now it's like our assets are kind of like yeah. diminishing. So maybe we do just get get something from McCabe at this mm-hmm. deadline instead of waiting till next year. Yeah. Why not? I mean, it's ex- again, solid player. Listen, money, money now is more valuable than money in the future for, Ooh. so I like that one. I like that one. Anyway, money being draft picks. Yeah. That's a good point. Okay. I think we pretty well covered everything here. Again, exciting time. Hopefully, you know, a bad loss tonight, but, We'll bounce back. Buffalo on Tuesday. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday, regular regular time. Had to kind of fit this one in here uh, because of the circumstances surrounding the, this team. Yeah. But, yeah. And no no game till when? Tuesday. Tuesday? Well, Tuesday and then Tuesday, the Tuesday Friday, Friday, Sunday. Yeah. Then we'll be back Tuesday. 28th. Yeah. Three days before trade deadline. Mm. All right. 